0: welcome to fine lines wonderful conference today or we have a panel and we're going to discuss about the twisted tree my name is lisa Tomey. i'm the i guess you could call me a moderator of sorts and i would like to go around the room first and ask everyone to introduce themselves and i would call on people as i see them and i'll start with nancy
1: Hello, my name is Nancy Rizu. I am an author, ghostwriter, editor, podcaster, and currently working on a screenplay even. Um, I love I know all these people on this beautiful panel. It'd be so much more fun to do this in person, but I am just so honored to be here today. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And Nancy is working with Fine Lines on the website. So thank you for that, Nancy. Zan?
2: Hello, I am Zanita Varnado jones My friends call me Zan. I am author and poet. Uh, I published my debut book of poems last year. It's entitled Poetic Forecast. And I am pleased to be featured in numerous anthologies, including Fine Lines, among others. Happy to be here with the panel. Thank you. Thank you.
3: David? Hello, everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining us on this uh, conference, this interview. Um, We're interviewing, um, conducting this interview process as a way of uh, doing our first step to uh, work towards having our conference in January, the Twisted Tree Conference. And I got a phone call from a friend And uh, she wanted to know all about the conference. And I talked about Twisted Tree this and Twisted Tree that and how rich metaphors are. And she said, where did you find out about our family tree?
4: (laughs) You should have been here this morning when my mom visited. We're so twisted in our
3: family. I'm going to sign everybody up for this conference. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear how you explain the twisted tree then because wow.
3: <clears throat> that, that would take a while. And uh, anyway, we're, our first step is to have this conference and I know you all have a lot of questions and questions. Uh, uh, ways that we can discuss that metaphor and I can't wait to get started thank okay. you for having us
4: thank you Jill hi my name is Jill Sharon Kimmelman I'm finally an author um <laughs> I thank you thank you Lisa Tomey um, Lisa's my publisher I just published a book on it came out November 8th it's called you are the poem And I'm very proud to say that it's been selected in January in the garden as the Poetry Book Club um, group pick. So I'm looking forward to that. And I would say that the twisted tree um, analogy metaphor for me is extraordinarily relevant, having missed my own Zoom launch um, for the book and now, having um, just come home from the hospital last night, so I'm excited to be able to contribute and obviously to learn. So thank you for including me as a panelist this afternoon.
0: Thank you. It just occurred to me as you were talking about the garden, that everybody but David um, is in the garden is in the garden that's here today. But basically um, yeah, the garden thoughts give a little say about the Garden of Neuro as a women's empowerment group. Uh, we support one another and help one another in a safe and brave space so that we can grow together. And um, so I'm proud to have, I uh, didn't even think about it just until the moment Jill said it, that that's right. Mm-hmm. We have a great representation. And there is a place for men, but um, not in the general garden, because right now, we like it the way it is. So we do, right, Sam? We do. Yeah. <laughs> Although David's been in the garden by video because I share everything I do in the garden about so, these videos that we do and such. So anyway, it's nice done. to
3: know that I have a place. You have a
0: place, absolutely. My,
3: my wife keeps telling me that, and she says it's right over
0: there. <laughs> Well, I think that you must be doing something right, David. You've been 30 years of fine lines, and I'm sure there's been more than 30 years with your wife. So you got it figured out. So you have learned how to work with the twisted trees of life. And David, I'm going to ask you for starts to tell us about twisted tree and how all this came about.
3: I must have been four years old when I heard the word metaphor for the first time, my mother was not educated past high school, but she was a aggressive reader. And at the age of four, she took me on my first trip to our small town library. And I felt like such a man holding onto her hand with one hand and carrying the biggest book I could hold that she was checking out that day and the other. I couldn't read a lick. I didn't know my alphabet. And she had an elementary school teacher in our little town appear shocked when my mother said, don't you think I should start teaching David how to read? And the school teacher elementary said, oh no, don't do that. You might mess him up for good. And she said, what, you wait until he comes to my grade after kindergarten and I'll teach him how to read. And she did that. So I had to wait until I was six to get to that teacher's class. I was already messed up. by then, because my mother went to the library every week. Checked in books that she read, got some other ones. And she said, no, I can't get any for you, but you can carry them for me. And when I went to kindergarten the very first day, this is a true story. The school was, I don't know, four blocks away from our house. And I was big enough, she let me walk home. Can you imagine parents doing that now? No, I was walking home and she could hear me crying over two blocks away. That's how quiet our little town was. And she went up to the corner and made me walk all the way to the block our house was on crying. And she said, David, you don't look hurt. Did you fall down someplace? No. Do you feel bad? Are you gonna throw up? (laughs) No. Well, then why are you crying? And I walked across the street to her and she said, there were some, or I said to her, "Uh, there's some girls in my (laughs) kindergarten that already know how to read. So, ever since that momentous day, after I made that statement to her, she put her hands on her hips and she said, Well, I guess you'll have to go back tomorrow. Uh And every day, I've been going back to school, metaphorically. And it's been the biggest delight of my life, learning how to read. And I've been struggling to find fine lines of good writing ever since. And one of the best metaphors i found talking to my mother a couple of years later was the gnarly knot of a perfectly good tree. And I asked, why would nature put a knot and a perfectly good tree. That stumped her. I just loved asking questions. They wouldn't let me read, so I learned to ask questions. (laughs) Uh, I've been working on that one myself all this time ever since. Uh, You can make a, uh, uh, let's see, how does this work? The Chinese proverb, a perfectly good straight tree winds up as planks. And a, uh, a knotted tree will uh, last uh, much longer and provide much inspiration. I've heard that knot and a tree used uh, in different ways. But you can't see, you can't see a twist coming in life. And people who are so straight, like a tall, straight tree that winds up as planks, their lives often are um, not as productive, not as creative, not as interesting as um, a person's life who has twists and turns and ups and downs and has learned to survive with those knots. So when I get submissions all year long from all over and in the 30 years of fine lines, we've published people from all 50 states. And last month we In our last book, which is the winter issue for 2021, our 30th year, uh, we've published people from 95 other countries outside the United States, and I'm the most surprised person of all. I did not see that twist coming when I had my class from hell that uh, Nancy has just put on our website about Black Jack, and that's how Fine Line started, and I encourage all of you to uh, read it. It's on our website, and uh, uh, I'm not going to tell you any more about that. That's called The Hook. So you have to go to our website, finelines.org, okay. finelines.org and on the uh, homepage of the website on the right column, there's a list of uh, uh, writings that I put uh, into the blog, and Blackjack, a Caucasian kid, in uh, downtown Omaha, Nebraska, um, who wore black top to bottom, head to toe, every day, all year long. And he changed my life. I thought he was on a one-way road to the penitentiary. And I've had a lot of kids in our downtown uh, school uh, that never got off asphalt. And, um, he was a loser with a big L he thought at that time. And so did every other teacher in that school and every coach did, he got in so many fights. He was one principal's visit away from not only being expelled from our school, which was at that time, the largest school in the state of Nebraska, but he was, uh, one mean word, um away from being expelled from the uh, school district, which was the largest school district at that time between Chicago and Denver. And uh, he, was, he was bad news. Um, somehow we got a chemistry going and that twisted knot of our relationship grew. Not only did he pass my class, he came in after school Uh, We worked together, he passed math, he passed all the other classes, he graduated from our high school, he went to a middle school, he went to Missouri where he had family, went to a four year school, and glory be he wound up being a journalist for a small town newspaper in South Carolina. I thought, when I first met him, that he was not only on a one way road to prison. I've got five other ex-students uh, that uh, are doing life for murder in prisons across the country and I thought he was gonna join them. That's how bad I thought he was at that
0: time. Writing- You really, you really uh, helped him with um, untwisting history, so to speak.
3: Uh, well, thank you. I, I was the vehicle. I can't take credit for it. i passed the credit for his resurrection to journal writing and the written word. One day in class, he was writing so hard, so fast, he was so mad that his number two pencil cracked in his fingers. He had such a death grip on that pencil as an example. And uh, I could talk a long time about him. I won't do that here. Blackjack, fine lines. Thank you, Nancy, for putting that on.
0: Thank you, David. How
3: many knots have come up in your life? Maybe that's not the question because I know everybody has knots in their life. How many have you written about? That's the important thing. And I wanna read them. I want you to submit them to fine lines. I have found that we help develop writers write better, writers of all ages. And uh, our editors are really good about working individually with people if they ask for that. And um, those often uh, are the best submissions we get. I have really good writers submit things and we're grateful for them. And then I have people since the very first publication 30 years ago who have said, you know, I'm not a writer. I barely got through high school. I got a certificate if I promised the principal I wouldn't come back. my (laughs) My dad was one of those. And often those people are the ones who say, you know, I don't write really well, but I have this story that I just can't get out of my head that won't go away, that won't leave me alone And all I wanna say now after being a publisher for 30 years is write the darn thing any way you can, write it with your feet or have someone else else write it as you dictate it, give it to me, let me look at it, I'll get back to you, we'll help. Those are the best stories and they're almost always right. That story has to get out of their head Mm-hmm. Has to get out of their heart. I can't wait to read those.
0: It has to get untwisted. Who yes. else here can relate to this would like to share their experience of untwisting the trees of life? I could
4: start okay, if Jill. you'd like. Okay. Um unlike David, no one kept me from reading and according to my mother i was speaking in full sentences at the age of um four months which i find hard to believe but she said i have not shut up since so but when i was four i found a beautiful book from hallmark and it was probably new to our family library I kind of doubt it was purchased for me, but I was drawn not only to the poetry, I'll be perfectly candid, I imagine at four, I was probably drawn to these magnificent paintings because everything, it was Renoir, Mary Cassatt, um, just magnificent paintings that accompanied each and every poem. And so I taught myself to read at four with a poetry book. And like anybody else who wrote their first poem, it was horrible. And I was going to share it at my launch, but we didn't have that. So I would say from a very early age that I was, in fact, encouraged to write, but only as it might apply to my future as um, an attorney. That was the plan that my parents had. And I could never see myself that way. There was always writing in the back of my mind. Uh, Ultimately, after my father passed away, I was a first semester freshman at Rutgers. And I realized Law school is not in my future. So for decades, I worked in the culinary arts field and I've done everything I've ever asked anybody to do. So um, I'm a retired chef, special events designer, you name it, I've done it in the culinary arts field. But when I was no longer physically able to do that, that became my first, I guess you'd say, in the writing world part of my life, it became my first twisted tree because I could no longer do every day working 80 hours a week. And I had to figure out what I was gonna do with the rest of my life. And I found that that door which I felt had always been long shuttered. There was no way it was still open, but it was. And I did everything I could to make up for the fact that, yes, I was a star when I was in, in high school. I was, I was on the newspaper, I was doing photojournalism, I was doing theater and I was on the literary magazine staff, but it had been a very long time since I'd written a poem and I was really nervous and I didn't have any formal training. So it took me about eight to 10 years of just focusing on reading as much poetry out there as I could kept on writing, kept on getting rejected. And my very first poem ever was nominated for my first Pushcart Prize. So that was pretty exciting. Um, However, in my life and as it ties to my husband's, we have more than the normal everyday um, obstacles to the creative process. Um, We're both burn survivors. We both have compromised immune systems. We've both been through a great deal, yet it has never kept either one of us for pursuing our dreams. And my husband was burned when he was 12 years old. He's now 50 years later writing and writing poetry of all things. I think he thinks it's by osmosis. It's not. It must be deep inside him. But for both of us, the idea of twisted trees that represent um, not obstacles, but we've always looked at that without naming the metaphor and known that there had to be a way to go around it in order to accomplish. And he did that and got his um, graduate degree in mass comm and theater. I did that without formal um, poetry scholarship. And in the last eight months, I would say that while I was writing this book alone, because my husband's been in the hospital now for eight months as of this Friday, There have been a number of really serious, out-of-the-normal obstacles, and yet Lisa and I brought this book out to the world, my heart's gift to the world, and we weren't even able to do the launch. I wasn't able to participate in promoting it. But the message of my book must have reached so many people just in conversation that it came back to me. Um, Not just karma, but extraordinary gifts. People are so amazing in the global poetry family. And that's how I think of it. The support, the nurturing, the encouragement, It makes those twisted trees become not the obstacle they present themselves, but just simply a challenge to navigate away through the labyrinth to get through it. And I believe that every single day we face those. And I'm here right now, not having been home 24 hours from the hospital to tell you that it is entirely possible to go around those knots. It would be nice to go through them, find out why they're there. But in the interest of time and hoping people would want to see my book, I tried to find a way around them. And I guess you could say, I continue to be successful when faced with that twisted tree metaphor, David, um, because Lisa and I are now working on two versions simultaneously, an ebook and an iBook. And we're delayed already because yet another hospitalization. But you didn't see it stop me. You don't see me stop submitting. You don't see me stop communicating. You don't see me stop writing. And I would say that Twisted Trees is about the most perfect metaphor for both of our lives in the last 18 to 20 months. And definitely since April, when I seriously started writing this book and being alone without Tim, So I didn't mean to take up too much time. I just wanted to say how very, very relevant um, the twisted tree metaphor is for me right now. Just getting dressed this morning, knowing I was going to do this, I was incredibly excited. But I'm also going to say when it's over, I'm going to bed. So I'm doing the best I can. And I am so great to be here and to be included as a panelist I just can't thank you enough and I also want to point out to anyone who doesn't know Lisa is a first time push cart nominee and I think that is worth a round of applause.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And congratulations to you, Jill, for being nominated as well.
1: You earned it.
0: Thank you. Anyone else like to share about twisted trees in their life? May I? Yes, ma'am. Yes, please.
2: First, Jill, I want you to go twist yourself underneath the covers and just (laughs) Rest for the day. You deserve it. <laughs>
4: Doctor shamanez is expecting a submission oh. in the next as soon as I finish this, and she's not interested in excuses,
2: so I don't offer any. So well, you're here. I'm glad you're uh, getting untwisted. And David, I the image of you Isn't as a great you as a four year old carrying that big book. I could see it. I mm-hmm. I could see it. And I want you to know, I did read your um prose about black Jack, and it was one of the best reads I had last week and i won't I won't spoil it, or should I that he was the impetus for fine lines that I think you said it that that just blew my mind. I think that's great um as a child i I grew up in a family of six with six children. And we were told and taught that children are to be seen, not heard. And so for years, forever, I was quiet. I was shy until years later when I became a cheerleader. (laughs) That's when I (laughs) my voice and could yell loudly and celebrate people. But I was still kind of quiet and reserved. And it wasn't until I got into the workforce that I was required to use my voice and that I learned that my voice, what I had to say made a difference and it was valued. I started writing poems, poetry in in college and I continued to write, but I didn't share until um, last year when I published the book. I would share with family, I would share at work reservedly, but, uh, I continue to write to unravel the twists and turns in my life, and we've all we all have them. Um, the twisted tree, to me, what it means for me is when I see a when I see a twisted tree, I am enthralled. I love the gnarled knot. I love seeing the roots go in different directions and I want to follow those roots. I want to know what's going on in that tree. And I feel that way as a creative. And we all are twisted trees, every every one of us. Chinese quote about the twisted tree live the twisted tree lives its life, as David said, we're living our life. That's how I feel when I write I'm living, I'm sharing. I'm unraveling what's inside that knot. When things affect me, I always say, I feel it in my stomach. I feel a knot in my stomach. It's a gnarled knot. Another way to look at the knot, I've got another connection to wood and trees. My husband is a wood craftsman. Mm -hmm. And I learned from him that the knot is the best part of the tree. It makes the most beautiful of whatever you're creating because of those rings and gnarls and turns. That's how I feel about the the twisted tree. Um, I use it, I use the metaphors in my writing. I love trees. I'm I'm just fascinated by trees. It doesn't matter what kind. Uh, Before this panel, I was thinking about us and wanting to try to, to name what kind of tree each one of us is. And I'm still working on that. David, I kind <laughs> of thought about you as a banyan tree, but that's not, that's not the topic today. <laughs> so, uh, but with trees and metaphors, the Christmas trees, the family tree, the twisted family tree, we have a saying, a slang, don't get it twisted you know, the family that, that that David was talking about, how'd you find my family tree? Or when we're talking about um, how someone misconstrues something, don't get it twisted, you know? And that's my connection to the twisted tree. I, it's just interesting to me. I'm going to stop.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Zan. Mm. Having been brought up very similar to, with also being seen and not heard in our household yeah I was very shy as well and uh, it took life uh, work to also help bring that out of me so dealing with sometimes in my own household was like trying to climb around a twisted tree or find a way to work through it so indeed okay does anyone else have anything to share Nancy
1: well, I love all the stories. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful to listen to. Um, and to think about that twisted tree, though, so, you know, in my family, there was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of, um, I don't even know what to call it, the hierarchy of, you know, the patriarchy and all of all of it, you know, all of it. And, I was always lost in a book. It was so much more fun to be in a book than it was to be a lot of times in my real life. And it led me to write. And I had journals all the time and diaries all the time. And I would write stories about my family, but I would do them in a fictional way. And it was a way for me to turn the story around and have it, you know, not, I, I wasn't the victim in this story. You know, maybe I was the, the hero in it, but it's led me to write a very, uh, as I've gone on every, every, it doesn't matter what I get hired to do. I'm hired. I'm also the newsletter writer. I'm also the interviewer. I'm also the story writer, the party planner. And then um, a lot of times the storyteller at the party, cause I'd love to tell a good story. And as I got into wanting to think I wanted to write my own stories, I don't know, I had like this big fear of, oh my gosh, if I tell the world my story, what's everybody going to think? So that led me to more ghostwriting, because it's so much easier to tell somebody else's stuff and untangle somebody else's knots than it is sometimes to untangle your own. And yet, it was almost as if every story that I would work on would have something related to me, which... Would make me go okay i need to write a little on my own but also make me see how much we share in these experiences of what happens in our lives i'm not the only one who's been through this so um as i started writing my own my own un, 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 unwinding the wounds so to speak uh, not so to speak um part i'm a rush fan time stands still one of my most favorite songs on earth Um, when you start unwinding those wounds though, how do you, how do you spill those guts? And, um, I do it in, I do it in fiction and I do it in a way that if someone were to read my stuff and I, I I wrote something about this, it's called, um, unmasking the masked writer. Why do we write with a pen name? Because we want to tell this truth, but we're afraid of being outed for it. And I, I had done that for so long, writing under pen names, doing the ghostwriting, that I decided this is it. I'm still gonna write my fiction and I'm gonna write it my way. But if something I write bothers you, please point it out, but be prepared to prove it. Nobody stepped forward yet. <laughs> so I don't know if it's cause they're not my, reading my stuff, but it's out there now and it's in my name and it's it's calling out a lot of the behaviors that I understand you know if if you talk about it, people will say, "Oh well, that's just how things were, and that's just how they did things back then. I'm like, "No, you were part of the one doing it. Don't tell me it was they and them and back then." And what I still see is if you don't identify the behavior and describe it and explain it, it continues to happen and so the, these writing these stories this way gives me this power to kind of reevaluate what happened again put myself in a, a position of power and memory even and then if if i do see the behavior repeated i can step in and go whoa, whoa whoa wait a minute you know do you react do you recognize this can we please stop this from happening because that's how we change things is with our stories it's when you know i say on my podcast, write, speak, play. My it's all about write your story, speak your truth, and play your game. And um, while my game is my writing, and I have my own acronym for it, I call it "Myth," um, making you think harder is what my writing try try to do is make you think harder. Um, in real life, my game is I play golf, so that's where the <laughs> that's where the, the play comes from. I think golf is a fantastic game. It's a way to be outside. It's a way to hang out with somebody for two hours and have a really great conversation. They encourage you to drink and drive. I mean, they bring you alcohol out <laughs> in the course. And I mean, what better way to spend an afternoon, right? And it, you don't even actually have to play it. You can just pretend the whole way. Done it. So, but the writing part is so important that we put those words down, um, that we, you know, we put them down pen to paper. And I call it that's our big manifestation, you know, writing, putting it down, pen to paper. Um, what is it that you desire? How do you want your life to be? And giving it up to the, you know, to the universe to manifest. And then speaking your truth is that's what we're here to do: is speak our truth. And um, you know, you tell a lie, you, you tell you tell the truth, it's over and done. You tell a lie, it lives forever. And if we keep denying that truth, I I liken it to, um, you know. If, if, if the truth has come back around, that's mean in, it's, it's in God's time in God's time, the truth comes back around. You think you've gotten away with something here. It is 50 years later. And the truth is knocking on your front door, you know, cause it's God's time to bring it out. So in my, in my world of this, bringing this truth to the surface, I call myself the indigo. If I show up, I'm putting out the welcome mat you've done something. And God has said, It's time. It's time. So it's time, you know, that we all speak our truth because someone out there, and we've all said it, someone else, else out there needs to hear it, needs to know they're not alone and needs to know that they can do it too because that's how we're going to change the world. It's just a couple words at a time.
0: So those, those are my twisted knots. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. This is great. Now, David, I would like you to tell us about this conference is coming up in January.
3: It'll be more of the same. We're going to uh, meet in uh, January and uh, we're gonna have two hours on a Sunday evening and two hours on a Monday um, afternoon. Um, we're going to have our uh, uh, registration form on the website is going to put it up there for us. January 9th from 6 to 8 Central Time. And then Monday, uh, January 10th from 2
0: to 4. So both days um, are not the same. It's not the same thing each day. It's discontinuous.
3: Yes. Okay. 6 to 8 on Sunday night, the 9th, 2 to 4 on the 10th okay. of January. Um, I don't know if you were listening the way I was listening, but every single story that this panel told, if you wrote it up and sent it to me, I'd publish it. Do you know why? Because of everything that we've already said and the stories each one of you told took courage to admit that you went out on the edge of uh, vulnerability like an artist and had the uh, courage to um, put into words what you were feeling. I always wondered about that word courage. And the other day, uh, I'm a big fan of etymology, and I went back to look at the word courage. Do you know anything about that? It comes from a Latin root that means heart. So if a person is courageous, they are uh, on the edge. They are using their heart to um, explain, describe, achieve some form of success as they define it in their life. The courage to expose one's ignorance as well as insight to invite contradiction. I just love that idea and if we put more of that in our writing, you know our writing would be better because we'd be telling a better story that the reader would uh, identify with and want to hear more about. Um, What we all are doing is professing the power of writing. That word professor is now so limited. It's a, almost a one dimensional word as a, a university professor, but my goodness, small p professor expands the scope of the word so that it is large and stronger than the classic university teacher. A someone who professes um, is uh, saying they have uh, belief or faith in the midst of a dangerous world. That's what good writing is all about. And if you have access to that confidence, uh, it comes not only from the ego, but from a soul that's uh, a soul deep sense of being at home in the world, despite its dangers. I don't know if you've read uh, Albert Camus, he's one of Mm -hmm. my favorite writers. And the whole idea of existentialism is so rich and full of depth and Oh, I just uh, really like that whole concept. Uh, so the, the authority by which good writers write, um, that soul, deep sense of being at home in the world, despite all its twistedness, its dangerousness, its knottedness. If you give heart to a character, that can handle that kind of world. Look out, Hollywood, here you come. After you write your book, then you can write a movie script. I have too much fun, but I really think that that is what we're talking about. And we're gonna focus on those kinds of fun things in our writing in the January conference, glad you asked.
0: Thank you. Well, thank you all so much for contributing today to the panel. I hope that you're able to make it to the conference in January. But regardless, be sure to get up your pens. David, where's yours? Where's my pen? Hang you got to sign on. us off. Uh uh-huh. oh. I, I had something
4: I wanted to share. Is it oh, okay. too Go ahead. I wanted to say that it's been an extraordinary gift and blessing in my life to have somehow become a mentor to a young protege. And some of you know her, Lisa knows her very well. Nancy, you haven't met her because she's too young to join the garden. But at 14, my young Nigerian protege, Elizabeth, is a two-time author and has also contributed to multiple anthologies and worked on books that family members have written with her, but she's coming out with her third book. So one of the greatest things in relation to getting through or around or however, we individually approach the knots. What's been extraordinary for both Elizabeth and myself is sometimes she's the teacher and I'm the student, and sometimes it's the other way around. And having someone who, she often refers to my death when Jill is no longer here, she says I'm older than her grandmothers. Lisa's heard it all, but um, regardless of our age difference, I have to say that connecting so closely that we talk on on video chat at least three to five times a week from the US, I live in Delaware, to Nigeria. And I have learned as much as Elizabeth has learned. And I can tell you that whatever time, health, any way that you can fit the chance to nurture someone else's talent um, is an extraordinary gift that you're giving yourself. They think they're getting the most out of it. But the truth is, in every kind of volunteer situation, we always get more out of it when we give. It was never supposed to be anything more than just helping her a little bit. And I met her dad and we did it officially and she approached me. But now she is adorable, to use one of her favorite words. She is polished, like Zan. She is polite, like all of you. She is an exceptional writer. And to be spending as much time as I do, um, granted, I have to fit it in primarily for health reasons, or I would spend so much more time with her. But Having someone that you can share the wisdom, at least you hope it's wise, from your own journey and allowing her to do the same has been unbelievable. And every day it gets better. So I encourage all of you to consider maybe connecting with someone who's emerging. Not quite so seasoned, not quite so old, as I'm now being told. Lisa will vouch for it. I'm told all the time. I just turned 60. I didn't realize that we were back in the 60s and anybody over 30 is old. But apparently I'm about to die in her mind and that terrifies her. So she wants to get as much out of me as possible. But I'm going to tell you straightforward. If you have any time that you can work with and new voices, emerging talents, there is so much that you will get, and it will help you directly in relation to the twisted tree metaphor. And does that make sense? Because I wasn't trying to steal the show.
0: No, makes perfect sense.
4: Congratulations.
0: Thank Thank you. Okay, let's get our pins out here we go bring a close in david's traditional way ready one two three right on right on (laughs) Thank thank you thank you thank you for listening to our podcast today come back again soon would you like to be on our podcast? Send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and we'll get back to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day.